Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. One, two, three. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next Knicks fans, and what is up to the motherfucker of all motherfuckers, Barry motherfucking D. What is up, Craig? And good day to Jay, a.k.a. Blanderson Hooper. Good day to you, Craig. Oh, great. Jay's breaking up, right, Barry? Or is that just me? I'm hoping that was a one-time thing. Breaking up already. You guys are breaking up. (laughs) You guys are breaking. Of course, it'll sound perfect on the show, so I should just stop. Yeah. If you like our show... Please, wherever you listen, leave us a positive review or a five-star rating. And don't forget to please subscribe to the one podcast that makes a difference in your life. It's a hard Nick's life. You guys like that? Uh, I mean, it's presumptuous. <laughs> it is? A little bit. Yeah, a little a bit. Little? You, you have no idea the other podcasts that they listen to. I, I know that they don't make a difference in their lives. How do you know that? Maybe they're listening to spiritual podcasts. Come on. Jay, how is your uh, vacation going? Your quarantine. <laughs> Greatest week of your life so far or what? Uh, well, I'm sleeping an hour later every day. Awesome. I'm, you know, done at 2.50 instead of being done and then sitting for an hour in the car. You've never looked better, by the way. Right, Barry? Thanks. That's very great. sweet of you to say. He's so, so yeah, relaxed. I've got like an extra two hours a day to myself that I didn't have otherwise. Is it really though to yourself? Because I mean, you are quarantined with the rest of your family. So like when that when I'm out with my family, I feel like it's not really me time. You don't get that? Yeah, my, my kids are self-sufficient. Okay. Is that it was where we see you right now? Is that where you work all day? Yes. I am banished to the basement all day long. And nobody in the house has, has tested positive yet? Well, it's, it's funny you, you should ask that. Because uh, we went on Sunday for like the normal test because we had the rapid test last week and uh, they told us like three or four days. So at about seven o'clock tonight, the the Meta Center called up and they were like, "Um, we're going to send you a text in like five minutes and respond to that. And you're going to video conference in because the doctor wants to teleconference with you and all four of you need to be on it. Oh, my gosh. So um, immediately we were like, oh, clearly someone has somebody has COVID. Maybe we all have COVID. I mean, if we didn't have it, they could just the the dude on the phone could just be like, by the way, you don't have COVID. Right. You would think so. Right. He wanted us to teleconference with the doctor. So after, you know, having my wife talk to the kids about how everything was going to be okay when we found out who had COVID. um, (laughs) And I was like, let's not let's not jump ahead of ourselves. You were like, you were like, hold on. We're having a great time here. Let's not assume anything. Right. 
Wow. Meanwhile, it's like a stressful five minutes, I imagine. Well, yeah, because you're you're thinking to yourself, of course, somebody has it. But but Jay, think about the possibilities there if someone had it. I well, mean, none could, of us have any you symptoms. You could end up in this situation for much longer than you exactly. are right now. None of us have any <laughs> symptoms, and they'd have to restart the 14-day quarantine clock. Right. So honestly, like, it's really not all that bad. It's win-win. <laughs> it's, you know, symptom-free covid and the time off. But so yeah. we called in and he's like, all right, I've got, you know, all of your results here and you're all negative. So, <laughs> you know, just stay safe. They, and Jason was like, I cannot believe you did that to us. I mean, isn't God, that I, was weird? All ex- I was all excited. You were, were you disappointed for real? Honestly, I'm not going to lie and say there wasn't a part of me that wasn't like, oh, that, <laughs> too bad. You have to be joking. Like we're all joking around, but you're joking, right? Well, he's I mean, not joking, all, Barry. We're all fine. <laughs> Nobody, there's nothing wrong with anybody. I mean, plenty of people have, you know, are asymptomatic. Why couldn't we have been asymptomatic and had, you know, another two weeks? I wouldn't have gone back to work till like sometime in November. Wow. All right, guys. Well, It's a Hard Next Life is now part of the Believe Podcast Network. Is it Believe or is it Believe? I think it's Believe. It's not Believe. It's Believe. But oh, see, I, I thought it believe. was like a play on words. Believe. It's a, it's, it's a lowercase I mean, L? I wouldn't say believe. Do you say, be, hey, I really believe you? You say, I believe you. It's the Believe podcast. It's eh. Oh, I thought you said believe. Yeah, he did. You said believe. You tried to go between the two because you're not quite sure which it is. It's spelled B-L-E-A-V. Believe. I believe in making it sound the way it's spelled, and it's B-L-E-A-V. But I know that they must be thinking they want it to sound like a little like believe. A lot like believe. Then who's going to find it then if you say part of the Believe Podcast Network? Who's going to find it if you call it the Believe? Nobody's going to know how to spell believe. It's not kind a word. Of, <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a crazy name, right? <laughs> All right. Well, because of that, we got a new ad to read this week. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Barry, of all of of all three of us, you are the biggest better of the group, right? Have you ever bet online? Uh, no, no. I uh, but I should. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't wait to hear the rest of this ad. Are you, because... are you wait? All the bets you placed last year on the Knicks were what through a bookie, an actual yes. bookie? Yeah, an actual wow, bookie. That's. Yeah. You're taking a risk there. So if you owed money, they would come after you. I mean, I mean, they wouldn't have to come after me. I would pay my debt. That's the one. That's the one great thing about bet online, Barry. You don't have to worry about bookies coming after you ever. Great. It's not illegal. All right. Well, tell me how I get on this uh, <laughs> this right. website. From <laughs> from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And Barry, listen to this. I know you'll like this. They have an online casino that never closes. Mm. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Some encouraging rumors have been coming out lately. I think encouraging for Knicks fans. There's an Atlanta Hawks insider that had this to say. Now, I don't know how legitimate this is. Didn't you talk about this last week? No. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. He had another comment that we spoke about last week, but oh, this okay. week there was a whole big thing he wrote up, and one of the paragraphs was on the Knicks. 
And he said, the Knicks have been one of the most active teams on the trade market and free agency market. They want to build a competitive team while not trading future assets, but attaining more future assets. They're open to flipping everyone on their team that's not Mitchell or RJ. And Thibodeau has a soft spot for Frank. They're open to a large number of moves. Now, why is this an encouraging rumor, even though it might or might not be bullshit? But it's not like claiming that you know of a trade that's coming or... No, it's pretty. it's a pretty it, safe... Uh, claim. It's safe, but it's also not something that you, I, I just, I believe it because it's not something that, why would you put that out there? You're not going to be right, or you're not saying that the Knicks are, you're not going to get a ton of clicks, right? You're not saying the Knicks are going to send this player and that player for Russell Westbrook. You're just saying that they've been one of the most active teams on the trade market. And you've given a little bit of the insight, maybe, as far as their strategy this offseason. That strategy, if that's true, that's ideal for me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As it should be for any Knicks fan. So it, it gives you a little bit of ease because you're hearing about Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. You're hearing all these trade rumors. There's certain players on our roster that we don't want to give up. We don't want to give up first round draft picks. So it's nice to hear that maybe they are being very aggressive. But if anything, they just want to get assets back. They don't want to give up a lot. So that's encouraging. Speaking of that, knowing that we now have Leon Rose and World Wide West and this whole new front office and hearing that. Barry, do you think this might be one of the most active Knicks off-seasons we've seen? I think it's shaping up to be, yeah. I mean, you, you got to look at all the, um, not expiring contracts, but all the contracts with team options. And I think there's like five or six of them. Um, so that means a lot of player movement right there. The fact that even though there's no big, big free agents in this class, you know, aside from, I think, what is it, DeMar DeRozan, and then you got like second-tier guys like, Joe Harris and Bertans that we've spoken about, Jeremy Grant. It's a big free agent class. And the fact that they're all like mid-level or lower-level guys, that also speaks to the amount of action that there could be. And then you got, you know, three draft picks that the Knicks have going into this first round. I just think there's a lot of flexibility here going into this season. Three draft picks going into the draft. Going into the draft. Um, I don't think you bring in Tom Thibodeau just to kind of lay up this season for nothing. I think you're going to make moves. You're going to advance this team in a progressive direction. Yeah, and if they're truly going to be aggressive this offseason, I mean, obviously the, the best way to be aggressive is as one of the few teams that have cap space. Honestly, it's it's doubtful that we end up, there's so few free agents out there. They're probably better served taking on salaries that other teams want to dump to go after these guys right. versus I, actually I going after that. these guys. Right, and I didn't mention that. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, this year they might be really aggressive just trying to gather as many assets as possible. You don't love the free agents in this year's class? Let the other teams go after them and let them go after them by taking on their bad contracts and getting assets back with them. I mean, that's got to be the move as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and if you hold on to two players that you've drafted in your system and nobody else, and it's all new faces here, whether it's veterans or not, you can't be disappointed in that. I mean, you're trying to make this team better. Isn't that what it's about? Who cares where they were before? They're on your Knicks now. I'm going to get behind it, you know, if I think that it's a positive move. I mean, no matter who gets moved, they're going to have, let's say we believe this report, they'll have Mitchell, RJ, and possibly Frank. And then they'll have whatever two first round picks they have this year. You get rid of everyone. You get rid of everyone else on that team. You still have five young guys there. Yeah. All right. You can get rid of Knox, DSJ, Dotson, who will get, I'll get killed for saying Dotson there. I got a DM the other day about Dotson, Barry. Did you? 
It's the gift that keeps on giving. I made the mistake of, not I made the mistake, but occasionally I, I DM people with our latest episode and I say, take a listen. And this one guy wrote back, hey, Barry. I was like, fuck. I was like, dude, it's not fucking Barry. I hate it when people say that to me. Barry's got hi, his Barry. own account. <laughs> and I was like, it's Craig. And he was like, tell Barry I said hi. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we know people like Barry better than you. Yeah, some people, Jay. Not yeah, everybody. Most people. What? <laughs> I think it's only because people know my name more because Craig says it all the time. Whether he's yelling at me or telling me to shut up. Yeah, I mean, I do think a lot of it is that Barry has the best fucking introduction in this whole show. And I don't even get one. Is there any better introduction than what is up, Barry motherfucking D? No, I love it. Like, one day that's going to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> All right, so here's what he said about uh, Dotson. Dotson told me about you and and the Barry guy. He's not a fan. Okay. This guy knows Dotson? Yeah. Hmm. Dotson's not a fan. I think it's fucking Dotson. Not going to lie. Maybe it's his burner? I he, think I was talking to Dotson. He's like KD? So, I mean, I think this could be a very exciting offseason. Speaking of exciting, though, does Frank know how to put out a training video or what? Another spectacular training video. They've been good. Somebody tweeted recently, I wish I'd give them credit, but I don't remember who said it, that whoever produces Frank's training videos, that Mitchell Robinson needs to hire them. Because <laughs> Mitchell Robinson's training videos are fucking awful. Right. But Frank looks like the greatest player ever in his. Oh, looks like a fucking uh, Puma commercial or Nike you're, commercial. You're right up there with him. You can see the sweat going down his arms. And you would drink that all up, wouldn't you? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> you're the one who just put out a tweet about it the other day. Yeah, I'm talking about Frank's sweat again. I know. You know what I really like? Did you see the... The picture that they tweeted out of him sitting on the brick wall, oh, yeah, looking all that's, fancy, because that that's is, that's what I need to see my team, uh, right? My team in like on. a in like an unbuttoned denim jacket yeah. <laughs> with with his breasts out. <laughs> Those are the ones that don't get me excited. <laughs> well, that that's not Thibodeau approved. That photo, <laughs> I, mean, I can on. tell you right now. <laughs> I mean, really. So while he's, while he's putting out those training videos, apparently Mike Woodson flew to Louisiana to train with Mitchell Robinson, who did get some heat from some, honestly, some asshole Knicks fans about not being in the Knicks bubble, uh, or at least not being in the Knicks bubble for very long. Well, he initially left for personal reasons. You don't know what yeah, those reasons he left, are. We don't know what they are. I'm sure they're fine. That. But Mike Woodson, for all those people who thought that me that meant Mitch was on his way out, Mike Woodson flew to Louisiana to to practice with Mitchell Robinson. And there was a there was an, a post on social today from one of Robinson's trainers, Marcel Scott, and he was talking about Mitch Mitchell's ability, how he's raised his offensive game this offseason, and he he just threw in this one little nugget that Knicks fans have gotten real excited about. And honestly, I don't know if they should be, but he said. The Knicks staff is very determined to win ASAP. Everything leading up to that, he said what trainers say. Yeah. He said what trainers say about the players that they're trained. They've been working really hard. Of you know, course. wait till you see their game. They're making all these improvements on what they need to. That, you know, it's, it's what trainers say. He's also building his own brand. But you piece that little bit of news that the Knicks staff is very determined to win ASAP, along with the news that they're one of the most active teams in free agency in the trade market. It does just give you this overall sense of of how active and aggressive they're going to be. When he says the staff, it's the, I'm sure it's the coaching staff because I'm sure that that's who, you know, before Mitchell left the bubble or maybe even via conference calls or Zoom calls, he'd spoken to them. And that's what coaches are going to say. They're going to say, we want to win. I mean, that's a coach's job. 
to motivate his players and for his for his players to believe in in the coaching staff and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, again, I don't think that they're they're going to tank. I don't think that's in any of these guys' DNA. But yeah. that's what coaches are going to say too. I honestly think part of why him saying that, why why he would say that, is is coming off of the coaches the Knicks have had. So in comparison to Fizdale and some of these prior coaches, Thibodeau, Leon Rose, Wes, Kenny Payne, Woodson, the coaching in front of office staff, they are much more determined, I am sure, to turn this shit around in every way possible. That, that, that's what it's going to come down to. They don't want to be a laughing stock. These are legitimately successful, uber successful people that we have hired for this team. They're not coming in here not determined to do any, undetermined to do anything. Fisdale, thinking back to him, strikes me as the kind of person who isn't that determined. Right, a little too loosey-goosey, a little too relaxed. Remember those vid- those those shots of him after the Knicks got blown out or were getting blown out and he's smiling and yep. then he's in the post-game press conference and he's like, well, you know, we'll get him next time. You know, <laughs> it was always this, you know, well, we're improving, we're growing. Leon Rose, Wes, Thibodeau, they're not fucking doing any of that. They're going to want to win. Even though we might be building for the future and we might have a lot of young guys, they're going to want to win every game. I don't think you can take that out of somebody. Right, Jay? You can't take that out of anyone. No. When that's in you, it's in you. It's in you. Yeah. And some more encouraging news. Man, all this encouragement. The Lakers, the Bucks, and the Sixers, according to CBS Sports, are all heavily interested in Chris Paul. And... Do you guys know the name of the Rockets owner? Play a little game here. Do you have no. the initials? TF. Tom Franklin. Tillman Fertitta. Oh. The Ro- he's the Rockets owner. He said... I think it's Fertitta. <laughs> it's Fertitta. Okay. This is, still <laughs> this is still our window. The next couple of years, James and Russell are in their early 30s. We're not blowing up anything. We plan on contending. We're going to do whatever we have to do to win. And all right, so so essentially he's saying that as of now, he doesn't plan on moving Russell Westbrook. I don't know. Are you a little relieved by some of this, Barry, that the Lakers, Bucks, and Sixers are also going after Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook might stay put? Yes. Yeah, because, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind a Chris Paul trade. I think there's a lot of positives that come from that. Russell Westbrook, however, nothing positive comes from that in my eyes. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, good to hear because up until he opened his mouth, there was a lot of suspicions that they would break that team up and move him on out of there. There were enough Knicks fans and enough well-known Knicks fans like Alan Hahn seemed to be a big proponent of getting Russell Westbrook in here. Yeah, I saw that. And, And all those fans are the ones that just, they have no patience, none. I know it's been forever since we've won and everyone is getting impatient, but we still to this day have not truly tried to do anything the right way. And if we ended up trading Russell Westbrook, trading for Russell Westbrook, or even Chris Paul and giving up valuable assets for either one of them, it would be a big mistake. So hearing that news is extremely encouraging for me. All right, guys, as many of you know, our sponsor, Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company, is changing the crumb cake game. With flavors like mint chocolate blackout, raspberry blackout, blueberry, and salted caramel. Is that all one flavor, Craig? <laughs> no, that's four flavors. Did I say uh, that all in one line? You said it like, all at once, like it was like one flavored oof. cake. No, it's not. They have got, it's not, I can't even read all the flavors they have. Jay, have you seen all the, the flavor list on their site? I have, yes. Is there one that um, you're dying to try? I really want to try the yet. peanut butter and jelly. I got to be honest. There's something about that 
that intrigues me. I mean, I haven't really had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches since I was a kid. Are you serious? You haven't had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich since you were a kid? I have Probably a few not. every month. I mean, I love- <laughs> I eat them all the time. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is my favorite <laughs> food, but I don't really eat peanut butter and, and jelly. Hmm. Something about, something about the peanut butter and jelly crumb cake just intrigues Jay. Yeah. Barry. It's right. so intrigued. You're so intrigued by it. You can't just go into your kitchen and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right, it's the only what, way he'll be able to taste that I know that what a peanut butter again. and jelly sandwich tastes like. I just wonder what a peanut butter and jelly crumb cake. And and you're thinking that you're going to sink your teeth into it and it's going to bring you back to 1988. Mm. Yeah, honestly, I really think it would be like going back to my youth. Well, tell them where to go to order it. You go to ClarksonAvCrumb.com. That's where you go. You can use promo code HARDNIXLIFE for 23% off your order. And don't forget about the corporate gifting they have going on right now. All right, guys, we're going to take a look at a few prospects. Some guys we haven't gotten a chance to look at. We're going to be taking a look. We're going to do the same thing we did last week where we'll just, we looked at Desmond Bain, Malachi Flynn, and how, what is it, Barry? Jamias Ramsey. Yep. Jamias right. Ramsey. All right, Desmond Bain is a 22-year-old, six-foot-six senior out of Texas Christian University. Shooting guards averaged 17 points, six boards, four assists last year. Shot 44% from three. His comps, Malcolm Brogdon slash Eric Gordon. Malachi Flynn. Is that how you say it, Barry? Malachi? Malachi, sure. Malachi? 22, 22 as well. Six-foot-one junior point guard out of San Diego State 18 points 5 assists 5 boards 37% from 3 his comp was Austin Rivers slash Trey Burke and then we looked at Jamias Ramsey 19 year old 6 foot 4 freshman shooting guard out of Texas Tech 15 points, 2 assists, 4 boards, 43% from 3 his comp J.R. Smith I, I watched all these highlights of these guys and I thought they were all pretty good this was a good group this was a good group yeah I mean, Desmond Bain got me right off the bat because of his shot and his range. Speaking of Desmond Bain, Craig, hold on. Before we move on, you know, Texas Christian University, you know who the most famous NBA player who came out of Texas Christian University is? Of course. Kurt Thomas. Look at you. Wow. One of the great Knicks of all time. Bam. (laughs) And that's sad. And that's like the end of the list right there. There there really wasn't anybody else worth mentioning. The original crazy eyes. (laughs) Did you guys like Desmond Bain? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, he he had deep range, uh, over six. Supposedly, by the way, the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it was a little weird looking shot, probably because of the baby arms that he has. But he but he <laughs> baby him, arms so are just short. What's his uh? What's his um? His wingspan. wingspan. He has a negative wingspan. <laughs> so he's six. Yeah, foot, wasn't it like six four? Right. Yeah, he's six foot six with a six foot four, four wingspan. He looks like a T Rex. So he has a quick release, then, right? I mean, somewhat. It's just a little awkward. But again, who cares how it looks if it goes in, right? <laughs> it hold on, hold on. Wow. He might have little baby arms, but it was not that weird. It, it wasn't was a fairly that bad. normal shot. It wasn't, it wasn't that wasn't bad. like Tyrese Halliburton. I didn't pick up on anything weird. Yeah. So for me, look. So Desmond Bain. Uh, I'm sure you have more to say about him, but he he's a 3 and D type player. He does a little bit of everything pretty well, but he's a deadly three-point shooter. I thought that he's a great option at possibly at 27 or late in the first round, especially if we don't think we're going to be able to sign a Bertans or Bertans or a Joe Harris, right? If we could get that deadly shooter in the draft and not worry about signing them, we need a player like that. Yeah, I mean, he was a consistent three-point shooter his whole you know, four years there. Uh, he took over like 575 three-pointers in his time there, and he shot over 43% on them. 
you know, through the four years. So he's been consistent. High basketball IQ, very good passer, uh, a lot of hustle. He's just he's just not that fast, you know. So, you know, he, he makes good reads when he was off ball, but he couldn't stay on on ball. Like, you know, guys would just get around him because uh, he wasn't too quick. Jay, did you like Bain? Yeah, oh, yeah, I like I liked Bain a lot. You know, he's got size. You know, six foot six. I mean, he's he's a big guy. Um, I I actually heard an interview with his coach at TCU. Chuck Dixon was on something called the New Fifty Two podcast, and he was just talking about how he's just a lights out three point shooter. I mean, he was taking more than six a game last year and hitting on forty four percent on more than six attempts a game. So I mean, he had from what I could tell. I mean, he had a deadly shot you know he could be a, a great spot up and and shoot guy you know, a great three and d guy like you said all right and and before we get to malachi flynn i i'm just talking about guys that i really liked from this group i mean i liked all of them but i really did like jamias ramsey i think of the three he was my favorite and when i saw bane i really? thought he was going to be mine because of his range i was really into jamias part of it because he was 19 compared to the other guys being 22 played with a lot of energy and he was big 12 freshman of the year he shot 43% from three, and he also yeah. had a ton of range, but he was way more athletic and really long, actually. He had a, he was six foot four, but had a six foot 10 wingspan. Yeah. His comp being J.R. Smith, I could see it because mm. he, the same way J.R. Smith on the perimeter could create his own shot, step back. He had like a playground swagger to his game. I really was a fan of him. Although he took he took too many sh- he took a lot of bad shots. He's 19 though, right? He's 19 and you know, he took a lot of bad shots yet on 5.2 three-point attempts a game, he still shot over 42%. So I mean, that's pretty interesting. He had a lot of tools in his offensive arsenal, although except for passing, that definitely wasn't one of them. But like you said, he could score everywhere else, but defense was not yeah. was not it's, good. No, you know, guys really. got around him really easily. Little um, effort. He was an explosive dunker. You know, when he dunked the ball. But other than that, he, he was pretty bad at the rim. He was like 31 for 62. Awful at the rim. That was his worst thing. And, you know, the the, the frequency at which he would take shots, I kind of feel like when he gets into this league, he's going to be like Kevin Knox was when Kevin Knox was a rookie, where whenever it got into Knox's hands, you knew he was going to shoot, regardless of the quality of shot. You know, he wasn't going to pass the ball again. And that's what this guy's going to be. So you didn't you didn't like him as much as me. I didn't like him. I would take him over any of these other guys. I liked him, just not as much as you. You know, that, with all these guys, like for every good trait and quality they have, which is the reason that they're going to be in this draft and go, you know, somewhere in you know the, the the late first or early second round, is because they got that talent. But with every one of those positives comes a big negative. Of course. And then we had Malachi Flynn, a little six foot one junior out of San Diego State. Yeah, this guy was a freshman. Uh, he played his freshman and sophomore year at Washington State. Then he redshirted for a year. Didn't play when he transferred to San Diego State, uh, you know, per NCAA transfer rules. And then last year, he had a, a, a great season. Yeah, he was really, ta- really talented as a playmaker. He's a point guard. He's a little small, but he was a pretty good three-point shooter, had pretty deep range. He was 43% on catch-and-shoot threes and 51% when he was unguarded, which is which is good, but that also meant that he was actually pretty bad when he was guarded because of his size. Yeah, but he had a big time scorer potential, from what I could see. Yeah, he reminded me of uh, of Fred Van Vliet when he would drive to the lane and you know and finish there. He didn't do it yeah, a I lot. I could see that, but yeah. when he did it, he he looked like it. In thirty one college games last season, he was scored in double digits in thirty of them, and 
he was an 86% free throw shooter, which is always very encouraging in college for a kid to be an 86% free throw shooter. So you know he's going to be a good shooter in this league. Jay, did you like Malachi? Yeah, I mean, I liked his range, you know, just above 37% on more than six attempts a game, you know. Not as high as the other two, but there's a little bit more volume there with him. His size is a is a little bit of an issue. Yeah, but he's a good defender, though. Uh, yeah. when, you, when you can bring that with you, it makes up for it a little bit. I mean, you know, that tiny, it's going to be hard to get that shot off a lot of the time over some of those those bigger guards in the in the league. I mean, I got to say, and, and clearly this is apropos of nothing, but seeing like comps of J.R. Smith and Trey Burke for, for the, you know, for the two of them, for Ramsey and for him, is just... That just turned me off. Well, one of Malachi's, uh, I mean, biggest assets for me was even though he was small, he could really create his own space really well. So he was able to to, to get open just being one-on-one behind the three-point line. I liked all three of these guys. I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. These three guys on some boards aren't even being drafted until the late second round. It's and so Barry, like you place. pointed out earlier, in other boards, they're going in the middle of the first round. Yeah. Yeah, what do we have? Uh, Tankathon has Flynn at 48 and Bain going at 28. And meanwhile, there's another one. Like NBC Sports just came out with one. I think that's the one I was looking at where Bain was at like 19 or 20 and Flynn was in the top 30. And where do people have Jemias Ramsey? Tankathon has him at 32. So Barry, how many days until the draft? 212. That's not right. <laughs> it's a little off. You're a little off. It's going to feel like 212. Six. Six days. <laughs> 28. 28 days. 28 right. days until the NBA draft. Latest rumors about the, the the Knicks and their likes and dislikes. They've got Killian Hayes yeah, as their number two point guard on the board behind LaMelo Ball. Right, but isn't that how it always was? Not not in this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, it I mean, remains unless you speak a mystery to, to me, Craig. Another rumor, Jonathan Wasserman suggested a trade idea that the Boston Celtics give up the 14 and 26 picks in the first round to the Knicks for number eight. Jay, would you do that? So then we'd have what, 14, 26, and 27? And yes. 38. Listen, we've talked about how a lot of these guys are just kind of bunched together in that, you know, that late lottery area. I mean, if you think that you can get somebody at 14, you could have gotten it at eight and you pick up that extra pick. I mean, why, why not? You know, unless there's somebody who who's there at eight that you think blows you away, which I don't think any of these guys well, I don't think anybody's about. blown anybody away. Right. But. Once, once you get past those first three. So, I mean, you know, if you can move back six spots and pick up that extra pick in the late first round, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it's I think it's a fair trade. I wouldn't lose sleep over it if we did it, and I wouldn't jump to make it. I'd be fine either way. I think it's fair for both sides. I don't know if I have a preference. It all depends. It all depends on who the Knicks like. When the Knicks drafted Kevin Knox, everyone thought they reached for him, right? So I think this is a situation where if they really like, let's say, Kira Lewis, which we've heard, yeah, that's been. You a don't big really thing pick lately. him at eight, okay? You no. and you don't love him enough to pick him at eight. You you trade down. You, maybe you take the fourteen. You see if he's there at fourteen. If he's not, all right. So what? You pick someone else who you really like. And then you've got that extra pick at 26. I mean, it would be great to have back-to-back picks, 26, 27. And looking at the guys we've been looking at the past few weeks, there might not be the star in this draft beyond the top one or two spots. But there's a lot of good quality young players in this draft. But this is also probably the draft where there is a star that's going to come out of it. You just, you know, yeah. nobody's going to recognize it yet, you know. Absolutely. This, is, this is, is screaming for that to happen. 
this year's uh, draft. Do you um, do either of you remember the last time the Knicks had three first round picks? If they were to make a deal like that and have those those three picks, I'd love to hear it. I also love to hear who they picked. I'm sure it's it's amazing. Um, Walter McCarty, okay, out of Kentucky, right? Of Dante Kentucky. Jones, yeah. I think, out of Mississippi State, and Syracuse's yeah. own John Wallace. John Wallace. Yeah. All right. Well, that worked out real well. Yeah. Barry, it's time to relax. Jay, is per- Jay, you're smiling, happy, excited. I'm ready. Big stuff in the news today. This is the news. Going to put my feet up. With Blanderson Hooper. Jay's getting that big sip of water That's right. right now. Got to hydrate. All right. This is the news with coronavirus Jay. <laughs> the quarantine, Blandy. <laughs> Never been happier. I'm living, living the good life here. So... <laughs> A uh, new possible date for the beginning of the season being floated around. It looks as if now the league is looking at Martin Luther King Jr. Day, January 18th, as mm. the starting date for the coming season. Obviously, that every year is a big day for the league anyway. Right? There's always a lot of marquee games. Uh, Knicks always play on MLK Jr. Day, so they're looking at that. There are some people it's a great idea to start that day. Some people are still holding out hope for Christmas, but, I mean, come on. that's There's just no... There's no way that's going to happen. Uh, the league has said that they will give the teams and the players at least eight weeks' notice uh, prior to the beginning of the season. So we'll see. Uh, as as quickly as they can, they apparently want to get back to the normal October through June schedule. How do you think it's going to work, the team, the like, Toronto? Well, that's actually it's it's interesting that you bring that up because if things are still somewhat the same and travel restrictions are still in place with the U.S. and uh, Canada, there's there was talk today about having the Raptors play in Louisville and just li- stay in Louisville the whole season. Yeah, I mean, because they you, you can't be crossing the border back and forth; it's not going to be allowed. So they'd have to find some kind of they'd have to make some kind of a deal to to keep them here in the states. Do they still have to do the Canadian national anthem? I would I, I would names. assume that they would. Coaching hires: Ty Lu goes to the Clippers, replaces Doc Rivers. Stan Van Gundy signs a deal to uh, coach. The uh, Pelicans. You think he's going to get Zion into shape? Yeah. I think that's a win-win for, for, for the Pels and for him. He's got a reputation for working well with young talent. So I don't know if you saw this. The Pacers hired Bjork. Did you see this? The indie sing- female singer? Yes. From Iceland. Bjork. <laughs> right? Isn't that who it is? Unless I read it incorrectly. I think uh, I think you got to scroll. You got to scroll your phone a little bit more to read the rest of his last name. Oh, Nate, uh, Nate Bjorkgren. Bjorkgren. Nate Bjorkgren. Yes, is the new Pacers head coach. And then interesting, I don't know if you guys saw this coming out of Houston. Uh Daryl Morey, uh, Morey is out in Houston as the as the GM whether or not this is something related to what happened with, you know, China a year ago, but apparently they lost out on a couple of coaching candidates because of the fact that Morey left. Ty Lue, for one, was being one of them. And I read today that there is the possibility that John Lucas gets hired as the coach in Houston. John Lucas hasn't been a head coach in the league since 2003. And apparently, like, Maury being out eliminates Van Gundy, Jeff, that is. So, you And know, why the, is that? I uh, don't know. Not sure. Uh, you talked a little bit about trades and free agency. Some big news here. When it comes to that, we've talked about how the salary cap is probably going to stay the same as it was last year, which was, what, around $109 million. As a result of that, a lot of agents are expecting very little uh, money to go around once free agency actually um, arrives. 
there are, especially for the opt-out guys, the guys that hold the options, player options, apparently there's 28 players with, with player options right now. And from what they're saying, they really only expect four or five people to actually opt out. So the state of the economy is actually going to hurt a bunch of teams because there are some teams that were hoping normally they'd have albatrosses on their salary cap opt out to get a bigger payday somewhere else. Not going to happen. It's trade rumors going on. Did you guys see today the idea of Bradley Beal going to uh, the Warriors? No. No, for what? The number two pick, Andrew Wiggins, and there was like a couple of other things in there. So that's out there. The, the Celtics are interested in Andre Drummond. They're keeping an eye on that. Lamarcus Aldridge, the, the Spurs could be moving him. All right, Jay, is that all the news we got for today? Yeah, that's it. That's the way the basketball bounces. Mm, thank you. That was a little long for my taste. All right, listen. You, I you did get interrupted a few times, but hey. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Remember, you can reach out to us. It's a hardnextlife at gmail.com. You can follow me at hardnextlife. You can follow Barry at Barry Dworkin, and you can follow Jay at Blandy Hooper. If you like our show, please leave us some positive ratings and reviews. That's right. Hop on over and uh, you know write a little nice review if you, if you like listening to us, that is. Right. Even if you don't. I mean... Well, I mean, you made it this far through the, through the episode. Right. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, you can call us at 516-33-MESH1 with your questions or comments. I had a, uh, a, a an unusual exchange, guys. Did you know that the furry community, or do you know what the furry community is? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had a really awkward exchange on DM. Another one. I got myself into trouble by sharing the podcast with strangers. Okay. I sent I sent the podcast to a stranger. He wow. said, thanks, bro, when I sent him the link. And then he wrote, yeah, bro, I've been listening to your podcast for a few days now, but I never expected y'all to follow me, especially since I'm in the furry community. All I can say is that I'm honest. Then I started being like, whoa, whoa. Are we not supposed to communicate with people in the furry community? What? What is the furry community? So we might have to look it up right now because I started to look it up and then I felt like I was going to get in trouble somehow. Um, <laughs> you look up, if you Google furry community, have you Googled do you, it? Do you want me to do that? Do you want me to Google furry community on my school, um, on my school iPad? The one no. that the school no. gives me? That. No. So it is. it does have to do with people dressing up in like mascot-like furry yeah, costumes. dressing up as animals. I'm surprised he's a Knicks fan and he's not like a Bulls fan or something. Like a Benny the Bull fan. Or not like very a, furry. A Timberwolves though. fan. Not very furry. A bull. They're not? A bull? I don't think a bull is furry. The, the mascot. The, that's I know, like but one of the still, like if you're talking actual fur. It's not sexual in nature. I don't think it always is. It can be, though, yes. It's not always? No. It's just people There's, who they like have to like dress regular, up as furry animals? No, they have cosplay events and, and all that kind of stuff. They, they have normal... Normal behaviors, from what I could tell. I mean, are there probably some freaks in there? Sure. Why not? I mean, there's freaks like that in every group. It's funny, you know, on Google, like, they have, like, those questions, like, underneath after you search or something. So, you know, people also ask, (laughs) is it okay to be a furry? I guess that's what you're called if you're in the furry community. You're a furry. So, on here, it says, there's nothing inherently wrong with being a furry, liking anthropomorphic art Mm -hmm. or the fursuit hobby. There's a negative stigma because it's an admittedly abnormal fandom and because some furries are disrespectful and or perverted people. There you go. But that isn't the whole fandom. But we are an all-inclusive kind of podcast, That's right. guys. True. So I had, you know, I said to him, I said, 
please tell all your furry Knicks fan friends about the podcast. And he was blown away by my desire to be loved by the furry community. I If, if it meant getting us more listeners, I would get dressed in a furry costume, wouldn't you guys? <laughs> Maybe you can invite some of them to the next watch party or something. Yeah, we should. We could be the biggest Knicks podcast in the furry community, and maybe that's our calling. (laughs) You call it like it's a furry Knicks life. All right, guys. Until next time, it is a furry. I'm sorry. It is a hard Knicks life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.